podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Some forests that need our protection aren't on land. California's threatened underwater kelp forests provide food and shelter for a diverse community of ocean animals and plants. At Monterey Bay Aquarium, we work with state leaders, scientists, and people like you to restore and protect California's treasured ocean resources. Our well-being depends on a healthy ocean. Join us, won't you? Share your voice, share the love. For more information on how you can help, visit MontereyBayAquarium.org slash share your voice. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hi, I'm Jake Hescock. I'm Sam Jackson. My name is Derek Amos. I'm Kalia Davis, and you're watching the Sons of UCF Live. You're watching the Sons of UCF Live. You're watching the Sons of UCF. You're watching the Sons of UCF Live. I'm Dylan Gabriel, and you're watching the Sons of UCF. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Stroko. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Home sweet home for the Knights. They welcome in the Memphis Tigers. We have a preview. We are talking the latest in conference expansion. Of course, we are taking your questions. Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF. Adam and uh, Michael Angry Eyes joins us tonight. <laughs> no, I, I was appreciative of Mike, I think, this week. Wasn't that my new title? I wasn't as angry after this loss. I took it a lot better than the first two. That you did. That you did. This one a little bit more to be expected. Knights, of course, though, back home. It is space game week. We are, of course, a uniform school now. We kind of have to be, Trace, but I just realized maybe that opener is a, a jinx. <laughs> who who in that opening montage is having a, other than Sam Jackson, uh, jinx? A little bit of a jinx. Of course, uh, Space Game Friday night, less than 24 hours away as we go live, honoring the 40th anniversary of the shuttle program. And then next week, fans will be able to bid on the Space Game uniforms, minimum bid, $450. Mike, you buying two, you buying three, what are you getting there? I'm getting zero. There's no way I'm spending $450 on a uniform. It's just not happening for me. People are into it, then good for them, but uh, no way. And it's not even a full uniform. There's no helmet involved because of the, I don't know, the worldwide helmet shortage that's going on out there. <laughs> uh, it seems like everybody else has helmets, by the way, but the worldwide helmet shortage is going to rob you all of your space game helmet, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, who knew the supply chain problems would impact uh, helmets. Uh, some other news, uh, center Matt Lee, who left the game in the second half there against Cincinnati, Coach Malzahn said more just to not put him through anything, added to the Remington list for best center in the country. Back to the watch list, we'd seem to have fallen off some of those. And uh, a plethora of bold projections. You know what happens when you lose to the number now two team in the country, 56-21, and you are three and three, you move from, we had earlier talked about Fiesta Bowl projections, Fenway Bowl projections. Now the Action Network has UCF Cure Bowl against Liberty. Uh, some other ones are a little bit better. CBS Sports, Miami in the Military Bowl, Mississippi State in the Birmingham Bowl from ESPN, uh, Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl from ESPN, USA Today, Georgia Tech in the Gasparilla Bowl. But I think you can tell the quality of these bowl games has gone down a bit as the losses have mounted for the Knights. I mean, I'm excited about 0% of these. Maybe Miami mm -hmm. just because it's close. Mississippi State, those damn cowbells, I have no patience for that. We're going to play Georgia Tech next year, so I don't know if we need that in our lives. Maybe Virginia Tech, but that's all the way up there and in the D.C. area. So I guess, I guess Miami, if I had to guess, but it's still in the D.C. area, so. At this point, three and three, I think we just got to take any bowl we're given. I know who knows if we're guaranteed to even make a bowl game the way this season's been going so far. Ooh. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want the Boca Bowl, even though it's close to me. That's the same day as the, the basketball game down here. I don't think I can pull off both. So, any other bowl is fine with me, I think. Yeah, you don't think that they'd go back to the Boca Bowl, of course. Uh, Knights now three and three, the 56 21 loss at Cincinnati. 
Uh, usually here we talk about what we liked and what we didn't like, but I just figured we'll scrap that. There wasn't a whole lot to like, though, was there? I mean, they got beat pretty soundly. Uh, Coach Malzahn not very happy after the game. Not a lot to like in this one. I mean, Ryan O'Keefe played okay. I mean, he had the electric 51-yard run. Uh, you know, he seemed to be really the, the only playmaker we had on offense. So if I have to pick a, what I liked, I mean, Ryan O'Keefe continues to to show his skill set, and I think that's a great thing, uh, diversity um, in, uh, in his skills. So I'll give O'Keefe uh, what I liked. I told you guys on the show I liked the Peter Pants. That was fine. Other than that, <laughs> performance on the field, I didn't like any of it. I mean, in fairness, the defense did contain Desmond Ritter. Of course, he didn't have to show you what he could do, and special teams didn't help matters, or the defense may have looked a little bit better, but they certainly couldn't stop the run game. And now they face a Memphis team that is apt to put up some points. They have a true freshman quarterback as well, so that's an interesting freshman battle on Friday night. Uh, Mikey didn't get a lot of help, and certainly with Isaiah Bowser back, running game didn't seem to do a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I said this on the show, Trace. The the opening couple series on offense really confounded me because it felt like we were like a boxer who got in the ring. We didn't really want to throw any punches. We were there. We were kind of ducking a few and hoping we didn't get hit. And then we were like, oh, the round's over. Great. It didn't feel like we had anything in terms of, of a game plan. It felt like we almost went out and genuflected to Cincinnati and said, we know you're great defense. We know you're going to stop us. Oh, look, you just stopped us. Let's try to punt. Either three things happened here, and neither of them are good in my opinion. Either one, Cincinnati just has no weaknesses, and there was nothing we could do. Two, our coaching staff, we didn't figure out what those weaknesses are. Or three, we don't have the players to be able to exploit those weaknesses. Any of those three things is not good. To me, it just felt like we went out. I think we genuflected to Cincinnati and said, you're really good. We know that. And then they got on top of us. And before you knew it, you said Desmond Ritter didn't beat us. He didn't have to beat us. I, I, don't, no. I don't think he tried to beat us. I think, you know, I think – uh, Ford and the rest of the offense took care of that. And then a couple of a uh, couple of boneheaded plays and turnovers, I think, uh, you know, well, that's all she wrote. Yeah, I mean, I expected their defense to be tough. We needed our defense to keep us in it for a little while. And we were down 21 nothing as soon as the game started. Special teams didn't help either. Put them in a short field right away. So it's an all-around team effort. It was not just on the offense. I think the defense was terrible. Special teams is bad. So uh, they're just much better than us right now. No trickery either. You know, it does look like Coach Malzahn and staff are being very conservative with Mikey Keene. Earlier in the week on uh, his coach's radio show, he indicated, uh, you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more of Joey Gatewood. I still haven't figured out how and when they want to use Joey Gatewood, but whatever gets the offense moving. I asked my big question this week on Twitter, at SignPez, what do you think the night's final record will be? Three and three, four of the final six at home. Still some optimism there at 9-3, and 3, 13%, 8-4, and 4, 39%. I don't know, SMU's now up on Tulane, 10-0. That's going to be a tough road game. you got to take care of business at home. The Knights are undefeated at home. Uh, I, I'm not sure if those 6-6 six and six or worse folks think it'll just be 6-6 six and six or worse, but, you know, Twitter only gives you four spots for the poll. Where do you guys think now? You, you're usually apt to predict that they win all the games. And can they get to 8-4? Nine and three, nine and three, be real tough. Yeah, I think I said eight and four on on the show this week. Four of the next six are at home, um, and I have this stuff. Hold on, let me pull it up right here. Let me let me do this live while we're here. Sixteen and twenty three, the remaining uh, record of our opponents. If you take out SMU, that's ten and twenty three. You would think there are games we could win there. Again, Memphis, uh, we're only a one and a half point favorite. That's basically a push, if you ask me, in terms of of what to expect from Memphis. We know SMU is good, and then we've got a tough road guest uh, t- uh, uh, game against Temple, who isn't playing terrible right now. So, eight four, I think, is probably where I land. Um, six of the next four, or four of the next six, rather, at home. You think you have a chance there, but um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go eight and four as my overall. Tulane is having a bad year. That should be a game we win. It's at home. You got the Cows at home and you got UConn at home. You got to take care of all of those. You got to start this week at home and keep the streak alive. Beat Memphis. And then I think eight and four is very reasonable. Um, I would sign up for that right now. I'll take five and one in the second half of this year right now with the one loss at SMU. It's a tough one. I don't think six and no. I don't think nine and three is happening. Eight and four, I can be okay with. Seven and five. Maybe, but that, that's a tough one. That's probably a loss to Memphis this week. 
Certainly didn't seem Monday that Coach Malzahn exuded an over level of confidence here about uh, the second half of the season. There's been a lot of restarts, but I heard in him a pivot to the future and recruiting. Adam, you mentioned one of those things, perhaps coaching or, or just the, the talent pool. It seems like, especially with the injuries, they're just not good enough, uh, certainly, to beat a Cincinnati. And it makes games like ECU and perhaps even Memphis on Friday night dogfights when in fact, you would have thought UCF would win games like that more comfortably going into the season. Yeah, that narrative changed quickly from we're the future of college football to we're building this thing. We're building <laughs> yeah. the foundation. The foundation's being built. I mean, that that narrative flipped really quickly. Uh, and again, you know, this season will always be one of those where we're going to go back and say, if if not for the injuries, then what? Right. We're going to look at it. We're going to say, if not for a ball that bounces off a shoulder pad of Amari Johnson, where are we right now? Right. We're winning the, the Louisville game. Um, you know, we don't have Dylan Gabriel hurt. So that, that literal bounce off a shoulder pad, in my opinion, changed the entire trajectory of the season. So we're always going to look back and wonder where will we have been without that? And so this will have an asterisk, but we went quickly from future college football. People want to come here to build the foundation. We're building it right. Give us a couple of years. So uh, Gus certainly is on, on brand with his messaging so far. I didn't get a chance to watch our time yet this week. I don't know what his locker room speech was like this week. Can't have been very good compared to the last couple of ones. I don't think he was that inspired after this game. Yeah, I can, I can uh, summarize it. Basically, he said, we, we sucked. We have to take it on the chin. We're not going to hang our heads. Take it like men. We lost. I mean, that was essentially a paraphrase. Yeah. I mean, we are playing with a short deck right now. All the injuries is a big reason why we what's going on is going on. If we win those two other games, the Louisville and Navy, and we just have this one loss to Cincinnati, I think we're all fine right now. We'd still be in the hunt to play Cincinnati again later in the year. But those two losses are killer. The Navy loss is the killer so far. You can even deal with the Louisville one. It's the Navy one. Yeah, the Navy one still stings. Short week for the Knights. They played Saturday in Cincinnati. Memphis played a week ago on Thursday. And during his media availability on Monday, Coach Malzahn made a reference to that scheduling quirk. I mean, it's a short week. You're on the road. You get back. We had to have our Tuesday practice today. You know, you had to watch the film yesterday, so everything's rushed. Those guys actually played on Thursday. They had three extra days. I mean, this scheduling has, has been a real challenge as far as everything goes, but it is what it is. We've got to, we've got to accelerate. We had this really a similar plan that we had in Louisville. We've got to keep our guys fresh, but at the same time, you've got to prepare. You've got to get timing down, especially when – you know, with our quarterbacks, our receivers, and just everything that you're going to do, you got to get your timing down. So that's the challenge on a short week. The positive is we're playing at home, okay? But uh, I'd be lying to say it wasn't a challenge. He'd be lying. It's going to be a challenge. Depending on what you look at, Knight's favorite point, point and a half. ESPN's got to maybe a point dog, uh, kind of a toss-up, right? And we really don't know what the offense is going to look like. Uh, Memphis has had success on offense, and, uh, you know, the defense is going to have to step up. Where are the pick sixes the other way that could help things out a little bit? Certainly have seen them uh, with the Knights throwing them. Well, a few things. So, one, let's uh, let's hope we don't do that Louisville plan that he mentioned there, right? Uh, but, two, this is a welcome to the, uh, the AAC moment for Gus because I don't remember Auburn having a lot of Thursday-Friday games. <laughs> The Iron Bowl is typically, I think, a Friday game after Thanksgiving. But the SEC, that's, that's a Saturday show every week. So this is welcome to the AAC where you play on Thursdays and Fridays and Wednesdays and whatever day you can to get on TV. So I think if there's anything that Gus is adjusting to in terms of leaving the SEC, this is probably it. And he's, he's, he's clearly voicing that frustration there that, you know, the, the schedule stuff is, is something that he, you know, wasn't necessarily um, used to from his previous stop. So he, put, he was at Tulsa. And Arkansas State, you'd think you'd have some muscle memory there, but, you know, mm -hmm. those 10 years in the SEC, I guess, do it too. Yeah, and, you know, this Memphis game kind of reminds me of the ECU game when we came into it, thinking going up against a, an offense that puts up a lot of points. But at least this Memphis team, they're built similarly. Their quarterback is not a running guy, which we know we have problems with. He's a freshman. He's tending to make mistakes too. So we got to just play better defense just like we did two weeks ago. And we have a short week. We're just going to have to deal with it. That's life in the American right now. Well, Coach Malzahn said home field advantage. Knights undefeated in the space game, undefeated at home this season. You know the bounce house can be an advantage. Whether it's a packed house, full sellout, uh, doubtful. You look at the resale market, a lot of tickets out there. Uh, but hopefully the students uh, turn out strong. A crowd from them will help. Weather's supposed to be good. In attendance, uh, one of our five-star reviews, the one that won the tickets, uh, compliments of my friend John All with a lot of L's night 
who said, listeners since the very first show, great chemistry, great interviews, and usually smiley face, great takes, keep charging on. So we uh, congratulate him on the, uh, the the tickets. Enjoy the game. Thanks for that five-star review. You keep asking for him, you get him. Folks love you guys. Usually good takes? <laughs> usually. Do we give takes? I don't even know. Are we taking stuff, Mike? I don't even know. No, I don't know, but... I, the review that came in after that, I think the contest was already over, but somebody came in and said, I know more than anybody else in the history of UCF football. Is uh, That guy probably should get some tickets, too. Uh, speaking of you? Yeah. Was that uh, one of your Mike Oresco burner accounts? Is that <laughs> was right there? He'd, he'd give him a hat, but <laughs> those, are, those are already spoken for, I believe. Those are a rare commodity. Well, we turn our attention away from Cincinnati, away from the three and three start to begin the season to Memphis on Friday night. Let's welcome in a friend of mine, Mike Isaac Simpson. He covers Memphis for the TigerSportsReport.com. Traveling joins us. We see his photo at Isaac underscore rivals. Isaac, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF live. Do we have Isaac? I mean, his picture's there. He says he can't hear us. Can't hear you guys. All right, we'll, no. we'll talk uh, while no. we figure that out. Anytime you're available and you can hear us, Isaac, let us know. I'm not sure what we can do about that technical thing. Uh, holler back in. So, Memphis, freshman quarterback. You like the chances at home for the Knights, but offense got to do something. Yeah, we can't get in a shootout with these guys, and that's the thing. Memphis's offense has put up a, a boatload of points here um, throughout the throughout their season. Um, we can't get in a shootout with these guys. So we have to find a way to slow them down on offense and be able to get off the field uh, and be able to put up the points we can put up. So uh, they're, they're, even though it's a freshman quarterback, he's 16 touchdowns versus four INTs. He seems to be pretty sharp. Uh, they have a receiver, Calvin Austin, that uh, seems to be an all-world kind of player. We got Isaac back here. Let's see if Isaac can hear us now. Isaac, are you there? Yeah, man, guys, we're not sure what was going on. Some technical difficulties there, man, but uh, glad, glad to be on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Welcome into the Sons of UCF live. And uh, tell us a little bit more about the Tigers and their freshman quarterback. Yeah, man, it's it's an interesting situation. I mean, it's not what we expected coming into the season. We thought Grant Gunnell, uh was going to be the guy uh, transfer from Arizona. It's like Brady White, uh, guys that have come in from, from transfer from other places that have kind of had some of the experience. We thought he was going to be the guy and, and had a lower leg injury late in camp and in the come up in. And we been really impressed by him down here. The true freshman's come in with a lot of plays, um, made a lot of plays. I mean, I've just been kind of surprised with the maturity that he's displayed, not, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Uh, when dealing with us in the media, I mean, he's been fantastic. And on the field, man, he's pretty much handled everything the coaches situations they put him in. I mean, he's been in some tough situations, and he's come up big and made some big plays. He still makes some some freshman mistakes at times, but anytime you start a true freshman at quarterback, you're going to get that. But we're we're very pleased with what we've seen down here from from young Steph Hennigan. Isaac, I still have nightmares about Anthony Miller. And then I look on your <laughs> roster this year, and you have a guy named Calvin Austin who's got eight touchdowns, a punt return touchdown. Uh, how how good is is Calvin Austin? Yeah, man, five nine, a buck sixty-two, soaking wet, man. A uh, former walk-on, just kind of emerged last year as this this big, deep play, uh, deep play threat. Uh, former track and field guy, just has speed for days, man. And if he gets to jump on you, man, there's not much you can do about it. And he's become much a much better route runner. I mean, he talked about this offseason improving his route running, not just a straight line guy. Um, and I mean, he's he's dangerous. I mean, anytime Stephen gets dropped back, if he gets the ball in his hands, man, he's dynamic and. He's hard to stop. I mean, they've been, you know, this Memphis offense has, has been a big play offense, and, and that's definitely hasn't been different this season when, when you're talking about Calvin Austin. I mean, he's been tremendous and, and is a Heisman candidate right now, one of the best wide receivers in the country. So I'm sure sure UCF and their defense is definitely going to be keyed in on, on Calvin Austin tomorrow night. Yeah, already over 800 yards on the season. But last week against Navy, only two catches for 20 yards. What did they do to kind of slow him down last week? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting. Did not have a, a great game last week. Uh, I, I just think they kind of – and I'm kind of surprised that you didn't see this earlier. Um, they they don't have a – Javon Ivory is kind of that number two receiver, but they don't – outside of – they go to Deshaun Dykes a lot, which is a tight end. But outside of him, they don't have a consistent threat outside of him. That's kind of was one of the questions coming to the season, who's going to be that guy – 
to emerge last year. That guy was Todd Washington, who transferred to, to USC. So you, you kind of thought defenses would, would kind of key in, double-team Calvin Austin uh, a little bit more. Uh, but we actually hadn't seen it. It's not a lot of one-on-one coverage, but I think Navy did a really good job of, of, of bumping him and keeping him off his routes. And he wasn't, it wasn't as open uh, as he had been in a lot of games. And I, I'm surprised Navy was kind of the first, time, the first team to do that because that's something that we hadn't really seen prior to that game. And they, they made it tough for him out there. Last week, Cincinnati ran all over UCF, and now they face a Memphis team put up more than 200 yards on the ground against Navy. Third straight game with 150-plus yards. Tell us about the running game and how it's looking for the uh, Tigers. Isaac, you there? Yeah, you guys were guys were frozen again. Sorry, I couldn't hear you again. Got you I asked you about the running game. Uh, Tigers put up more than 200 yards on the ground against Navy. Third straight game, 150-plus yards. Tell us about the running game. Yeah, uh, kind of a, a three-headed monster there running back. Uh, Brandon Thomas is a registered freshman, 5'11", 200 pounds, who merged this season, 642 yards, seven touchdowns on the season. Um, has had an issue with fumbling. Uh, has fumbled the football a few times in big spots, but Man. Isaac, you're cutting out on me, my man. Can you hear us? All right, well, we'll talk. Isaac, you chime back in if your connection reconnects. From what I'm hearing, sounds like the Knights' uh, defense has a challenge with the Memphis offense. Yeah, this Calvin Austin guy scares the bejesus out of me because uh, the one thing, uh, while the running game has certainly been a, a bugaboo from a defensive perspective, the the secondary hasn't really been tested all that often. And when they are, it, it hasn't looked exactly world beaters, right? So if this kid's going to run all over us, I mean, that, that's just the the poison we need. If we fix the running game and all of a sudden now the uh, the pass defense comes into, into question, I mean, it's just going to be a full-on uh, meltdown, I, I think, at the bounce house. So this Calvin Austin scares the bejesus out of me. Well, he just laid the blueprint out for us. We had a double team, triple team, this guy. They only have one other receiver that's done anything this year. So if Malzahn's listening to the show now, and T will, come on. <laughs> Maybe shut this guy down to two catches, 20 yards. Yes, he had one run for 69 yards. And, and that's always an option with him. They use him all different ways, kind of like the way we use Ryan O'Keefe. But I mean, we got to do something about him and then worry about the run game too. Well, by the way, Gus and Tewell, if you're listening, call in. We have an opening now. If you want to get on the show, we'll get you right in. We've lost uh, Isaac again. Uh, well, they've checked into the team hotel in advance of a Friday night game. Uh, so, you know, one thing that Coach Malzahn has talked about, if you listen to post-game, you talk, listen to his media availability, he'll talk about mistakes made, be that eight penalties in one game uh, or the special teams woes or, you know, the, the – the lack of quality plays uh, and defensive coverage. They keep pointing out mistakes. And he also said this week that we're going to see whether those things are correctable uh, or are you what you're supposed to be now? This is what you're going to be. You know, that's that's a question there. I, I, I said this on the show and I don't even I'm not trying to be funny, but I know special teams is getting a lot of the heat. Right. And, and I understand it's, it's a tough line to, un, to think through what's coaching, and what's execution. I find it hard to believe that Brian Blackman, the maligned special teams coach, went up to Amari Johnson before the fourth quarter and said, hey, do me a favor. Catch one over your shoulder, Willie May style, just to spice things up a little bit. I don't think that's what happened, right? But clearly that's obviously what where it transpired. Is that bad coaching? Is that execution? And I think that's what Gus has to figure out is we're, we're allowing mistakes to take place inside of the game. Is it a discipline issue? Is it a technique issue? Is it simply we just don't have the right guys in the right spots? But I think there are some things that you say to yourself. I, I, I highly doubt someone was like, Hey, spice it up. Go Willie Mays on this one, Amari. I just don't think that's what happens. I think we're going to see some changes in the return game this week. It wasn't once. It was twice that he did that back-to-back punt returns. The first one, he got lucky with a fingertip catch. Second one turned into a fumble. We can't do that on special teams. So I think I wouldn't be surprised if you see somebody else back there returning the punts. Well, the team's just not good enough to overcome the self-inflicted wounds, right? You can't have a uh, uh, an eight-yard punt, uh, tipped or otherwise. You can't let that play break down that way and give Cincinnati a short field. Mike, you said earlier, they jump out to the big lead. Well, when they only have to go 38 yards uh, <laughs> to start on offense, it doesn't put the defense in a good position. So they cannot make those sorts of mistakes. I know it's next man up philosophy, but the next man up does talk to you about the depth that you have on the team. 
Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing true right now is is the depth is just not able to sustain the I guess that the offense Gus wants to run. I mean, I know Dylan Gabriel is obviously an all world quarterback quarterbacks. So we lose him. We lose Bowser. We lose Jalen Robinson. And the entire offense just changed. And, and that's probably going to happen across any college football team in the country. But I mean, that clearly just shows that the, the depth that, that, that Gus has to build. And I think when he says laying the foundation, that's probably the biggest area he's got to work on is laying the foundation to find multiple guys in the two deep that can continue to run his system the way he wants to run and continue to compete the way he wants to compete. And clearly we're just, we're just lacking in some of those spots right now. And a lot of it's just, just youth, youth and inexperience, just guys who haven't got a chance to play, particularly on defense. Uh, and it's also guys who haven't played together a lot. I mean, the, the transfers, while I think we all were excited about what they could bring to the table, they never played together before. They're trying to figure it out on the fly. Now they don't even have the guys they were supposed to have. They're breaking in new guys. All that, unfortunately, is going to be a recipe for some mistakes, some errors, and some, just some, you know, some, some rookie type of, of, uh, of you know, brain farts at times. Let's see if we can get Isaac back on, see if his connection will hold. And Isaac, if you rejoin us, tell us about the Memphis defense. I know UCF fans want to hear what UCF's offense may be able to do against the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, the defense has been kind of a, a mixed bag this year, man. We brought in uh, defense coordinator Mike McIntyre last year. Uh, we, we thought it was a great hire down here. Um, and, and last year he didn't have the, the full spring. You had guys kind of learning on the fly. Uh, going into the season, and, and the guys talked about it, how, how much of a struggle it was for them last season trying to learn a new defense. And so we kind of thought that was kind of the issue. We thought there's a lot of talent on that side of the ball. We, we'll kind of look at last season as kind of anomaly and go into this season. We thought the defense would be much improved, and for the most part, it hasn't. I mean, they probably did play their best defensive game last week against Navy. Uh, was able to get some some pressure on Tyler Lepertai, uh, but Overall, they haven't been able to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, and they've given up a lot of yards through the air. Uh, the scheme has been kind of weird. They've been rushing three, and they haven't. They've, they've been giving up underneath stuff and haven't really uh, – they, like I said, they've given up a lot of underneath stuff, and teams have really killed them with that, and, and it's kind of opened up their long passing game. I mean, it's just been struggle. They'll make plays here and there, but teams have been able to kind of go up down the field on them. I mean, you even look at an Arkansas State team, uh, that went 50-plus points on them uh, out of the Sun Belt. I mean, the defense has just been a struggle all year. So they played their best defensive game last week, but for the most part, teams have been able to to make plays on them and, and get up and down the field and score points on them. If there's one thing that UCF fans can relate to, uh, it is having an all-world season and losing your coach to a uh, to another program. This is year <laughs> two now for Ryan yeah. Silverfield. Uh, grade him thus far. How has he done, in your opinion, in his two seasons so far at Memphis? Um, he's taking a lot of criticism down here. Uh, I, I think some of it unwarranted. Um, again, I think last year you guys just had so much going on right before the season. Uh, you lose two of your, you lose Kenneth Gamewell, who was going to be a, a huge part of your offense, who's now with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, a couple of games in, you lose wide receiver Demonte Coxey. He opts out, so that's big two big losses. I mean, you got COVID stuff, not having a spring, so it was a really tough year. He kind of talked about, of course, he finally gets gets his head coaching gig, and he has. COVID and all that stuff going on. He's kind of joked about that. Uh, but coming into this season, uh, the, the expectations were higher. I mean, it's we're used to a lot more continuity down here. Was you talk about Brady White going back to Raleigh Ferguson, Paxton Lynch, and, and a lot of guys at skill positions coming back. This was kind of a, a year where there were more questions. I mean, you had a new quarterback, whether it was going to be Grant Connell or Seth Hennigan, and, and you go into the season with a true freshman, and, and, and that's not something that we're used to. So a lot of question marks there. Kevin Austin, of course, had a big year last year, but you were kind of wondering what was going to go on with wide receiver two. So they had a lot of questions, but we still thought this was going to be a, a a pretty good football team. We definitely didn't think we'd be going into this game at four and three right now. So I think Memphis and UCF, I think it's a big game, but I think it's a big game in a different way than I think any of us thought it would be going to the season and when the schedule was released. But for Ryan Tillerfield, I don't, I don't, I haven't got on him as much as a lot of a lot of other people have. I think he's done a pretty solid job i think at the end of the season there's going to be some evaluation going with the, the coordinators but i think for the most part he's done a good job i think they're recruiting even at an even higher level than they were under mike norvell i think he's done a fantastic job there and i think they're going to be fine i think this season is kind of going to be an outlier i think next season they'll be better but right now i think the goal i think which is with memphis and ucf is try to get to six wins man try to get to a bowl game and i think that's kind of kind of what they're playing for right now Similar to UCF, Memphis has played a lot better at home. On the road, they've struggled a little bit. Lost at Tulane, a loss at Tulsa. You mentioned they gave up 50 points at Arkansas State. 
What are they going to have to do now coming into Orlando to win this game? Yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, like you said, I know UCF is undefeated down there at the bounce house. So, uh, and, and again, this is a huge game for both teams. Of course, Memphis four and three, UCF three and three. And I think if you kind of look at both of their schedules, I think getting this fourth victory right here would be a fifth victory for Memphis and four for UCF would be huge for both teams. I think, I, I think Memphis will be able to uh, pass the football uh, to tomorrow night. I think that's something that they that's something that they've been able able to do some. Um, again, they've been more of a run-first team this year, but I think against UCF defense, I think they'll have some opportunities to get the ball down the field with Kevin Austin and tight end Sean Dykes, who's been tremendous. I think they're going to go to those guys, and I think they're going to stay balanced and kind of mix it up, but it's going to be a tough game. Uh, again, I think both teams really, really need this game, and I think it's going to be a good one. Uh, UCF started off favorite. I was kind of surprised to see that flip this morning. Memphis is now uh, minus one and a half, uh, so that, I'm kind of surprised to see that on the road, especially with the way they struggle. Uh, but I'm thinking it's going to be a fantastic game. I think it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. I think both both teams probably get up in, in the high 30s or 40s in this game. Let's wrap up with this, Isaac. AAC announcing a half dozen new programs joining the league. <laughs> yeah. What is the mood in Memphis? Do they have the blues over the likes of UAB and UTSA joining the league, watching UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston move on to the reconfigured Big 12. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. Um, not, a, not a lot of happy people down here in, in the Bluff City. I mean, you kind of look at those teams. I, I don't have a lot of problems with UAB. They, they've done a lot of improvement down there, new football stadium, uh, UTSA and FAU. But when you look at North Texas and Charlotte and Rice, man, that's tough, man, to be back in the conference with, especially you look at Rice. Rice is kind of the one that, not to bag on them anything, but that's kind of the one that really puts you on the edge of the cliff. But <laughs> it's, it's, tough to, it's tough to see with Memphis, man, because I feel like oh, over the last several years, they've done everything right with, with football. Um, it had been basically a basketball school for years, and they really put money into the program. Um, on the basketball side, they built the Lori Walton practice facility, which is one of the best in the country. They've done a lot with academics, and they're doing a lot of good things over there, and it's just tough to see them get missed, uh, missed out on this round. Now, the hope down here in Memphis is that when uh, Oklahoma and Texas officially – leave the Big 12, that they'll spend by two more. And the talk is kind of, it'll be Memphis and Boise State if that happens. And that's kind of what we're hanging our hat on, man. But this, this has been a long journey, man. And we're we're not taking anything for granted down here because we've been missed, looked over uh, a few times here when it comes to expansion. So nothing's guaranteed, but that's kind of kind of what, what the hope that we have down here right now. Isaac Simpson, he covers Memphis for TigerSportsReport.com. You can find him on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Isaac, always good to talk to you. Let's catch up during basketball season. Safe travels to you, sir. Thanks. I appreciate it. Definitely, man. Sorry about the, the technical difficulties, man. Uh, but I appreciate you guys having me on. And enjoy the game tomorrow night, man. I think it's going to be a good one. All right. Thank you, Isaac. Thanks, Isaac. Well, Isaac pointed out, you said it, Adam. They sort of laid out the blueprint there for what the Knights can expect to see. Can UCF defend what they're going to see from Memphis's offense? Seems there's, seems there's some opportunities for the Knights on offense, though. Yeah, I, again, this is going to be interesting because UCF obviously has not been able to string together a ton of points offensively. Uh, if Memphis has a soft defense, can they get a spark going? Is this the thing that they need coming home a short week, getting their, their nose bloodied badly against Cincinnati? This just might be the recipe they need. We know the defense has played a little bit better at home, so maybe you get a little bit extra energy from the crowd. You make a couple plays on offense. Maybe this thing can turn. But, uh, again, I think after watching last week, I don't know how – how any of us really feel uh, any level of, of trust, I guess I'll say, in the offense at this point. We're going to have to play clean, win the turnover battle. Memphis has only collected two turnovers all year, one interception and one fumble recovery. And their defense has given up a lot of yards to everybody, especially uh, Arkansas State put up 50 on them at home. We should be able to move the ball. This is week four now with Mikey Keene. Let's start throwing the ball, opening things up a little bit, and move and put some points on these guys. Let's go around the kingdom real quick. Women's soccer, 20 minutes left in this one at ECU. The Knights lead 2-0 goals by Ariel Young and uh, Katie Bradley. Uh, UCF receiving votes in the United Soccer Coaches poll. This is an important one for the Knights to win on the road. They face Temple at home on Sunday. Volleyball swept Temple uh, in its last outing. And Arissa Morevk, Morevk uh, the AAC Defensive Player of the Week. Knights 28th in the RPI. Tumbling a little bit as that uh, competition softens a little bit in the AAC. They hit the road there at SMU, which leads to Lane in football 24-7 right now. They're at SMU Friday at Memphis Sunday. Men's soccer, they knocked off the 24th ranked 
uh, SMU Mustangs the other day. They're receiving votes as well. They're at Temple Friday, then war on I-4 at home next Wednesday. Some points up for grabs in that one. I uh, pulled another bite, or Adam did. Uh, thank, I thank you, Adam, for that. From Coach Malzahn from his Monday media availability. Asked by Brandon Helwig, UCSports.com, did this show us where the Knights stack up against Cincinnati? Of course, both going into the Big 12 in a couple of seasons. I thought he was pretty candid about how he viewed his team versus what Luke Fickles built. We're not there right now. I mean, that's that's what I learned. I mean, they're they're you know they're not just the best team in AAC. That team can play with anybody. Matter of fact, that team can beat anybody. I mean, I I know what it looks like, and they uh, they could do that. But what it means for us is we're not there, but we're going to get there. And after the game, you you kind of that'll be a game that if we could fast forward a year or so and look back how far we've came. That'll be something to do measuring stick-wise as a head coach when you're developing your program. And right now, we're in the process of developing our program. I mean, it, it is what it is right now. We're developing our program. We're developing the foundation um, with all the little things that go with it. And we're going to get there, and we're going to recruit. Recruiting's going great. Um, we're going to get there, but but we're not there right now. Of course, we're just two months away from early signing day, so we're going to get to see what that first Gus Malzahn recruiting recruiting class looks like. Remember, Cincinnati struggled in its first season under Luke Fickle, and just a couple of seasons he's built them into now the number two team in the country. Uh, earlier today, I came across an article online. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby opens up about the UTOU departure and more. So I reached out to the author of that article, Ben Swanger, assistant editor at DCEO Magazine. The business title of D Magazine uh, covers all things Dallas. Uh, ben, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I'm looking forward to uh, chatting a little bit about Big 12 expansion. I like how you opened up that Q&A with uh, Commissioner Bowlesby saying it's been a rough ride for you. How are you feeling? Uh, what was your sense of his demeanor? Uh, he's certainly been through a lot, a lot of changes in a short period of time. Yeah, he definitely has. I think that he is a great, you know, great leader. I think that he is one of those guys that has seen it all, been through it all. You know, he's been to so many different universities and I think, you know, this he's he's just taking this he's taking the punches he's rolling with the bullets and uh you know he's, he told me no one should feel sorry for me i'm very well compensated and uh you know can't really you know rebuttal that he's he's you know he's making enough money you know he's putting food on the table so can't really complain Ben, i was struck you know by reading it it seemed to me that he was genuinely surprised blindsided even about Oklahoma and Texas leaving that this literally went from right under his nose for, for many, many months. Did you get the same sense that he was, he was blindsided and overall hurt by essentially what happened with Oklahoma and Texas? Yeah, he was definitely blindsided. It was something that took him off guard. He had no idea it was coming. And, you know, I asked him about it. I was like, when you heard this, you know, what was going through your mind? And he heard it just like, anybody else did. He heard it like we did, you know, scrolling through Twitter, getting an ESPN notification on our phone. He told me that he was flying in from an event at Kansas with Coach Self. And, uh, you know, he looked down and there it was. I mean, he heard it just like we did that UT and OU were leading his conference. And he was shocked. Mosby was very open about not closing the door on further expansion. We just had the Memphis guy on. How many more teams do you think may be joining the Big 12? And do you think it's already decided what those teams are going to be? I'm not too sure about that. I mean, I think that right now Bob feels like he is set with these four that he brought in, um, at least for, you know, the foreseeable future. I think that he is going to cut, you know, cut the door, shut the door on, you know, any further teams entering the Big 12 because he told me he is – looking at something in the future, an alliance that college football might be one of those sports like the NFL, where we're going to have 48 teams in an alliance that play each other. Um, and it's it's funny when he says 48, because I, I believe, if my math is correct, when you add up the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, and now the new look Big 12, that makes 48 teams. And he's not in a good spot right now with the SEC. How do you think, though, that this reconfigured Big 12 compares to, say, the Pac-12? 
Yeah, I definitely think that this reconfigured Big 12 is going to be good for college football. And I think right now, man for man, Big 12, Pac-12, I mean, it's about even. I mean, you know, this reconfigured Big 12, it's going to be a conference that is top to bottom, you know, one of the most balanced conferences in the sport. And you look over at the Pac-12 right now, and they're not doing so so hot. I mean, you know, Oregon has a pedigree of success. USC obviously has a pedigree of success. But, you know, Oregon's having their best season since they went to the national championship with Mariota, and USC is in turmoil. And so those are their two two, you know, big big players. And, you know, with the Big 12, this new look, I think UCF, I think Cincinnati, you know, those two schools coming in, they could be, you know, in re- great recruiting areas, they could be in just as good a spot as Oregon and USC are. You mentioned an alliance. I want to go back to that for a second. There was a story a few months ago that broke that there was an alleged alliance between the Pac-12, the Big Ten, and the ACC scheduling alliance, all this stuff. Turned out that there wasn't any paperwork behind that. There's nothing really that ties that to an alliance. But notably absent from that alliance was the Big 12, was Bob Bowlesby. Uh, Where do you think uh, he feels that he stands in terms of the rest of the college football uh, world? It seems like he's kind of the, the, the odd man out in a lot of these conversations. Did he kind of talk through that or kind of his feelings about, you know, being left out and maybe not being um, given a seat at the table like the other uh, conferences are? Yeah, so Bob is, you know, taking the punches as our, as he rolls, like I said. And I think that he feels like, you know, he is in a good spot right now with where the teams are, the teams he's brought in. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be hard to replace UT and OU. You know, it's not two, two programs that you're not going to be able to replace. And so – between that alliance, the Big Ten, the ACC, and and the Pac-12, he doesn't see much weight in that alliance at all. He doesn't think that that holds, you know, too much water. And so I think that he thinks that that's going to blow over, you know, next year, two years, three years down the road. And like I said, you know, that 48-team alliance, I think that's that's what he prefers, in my opinion. Five years ago when the Big 12 was thinking about expanding – all these schools applied, wanted to get in. None of them got in. The the teams that were in the Big 12 kind of looked at us as schools that didn't add any value. Now that those schools are in, how have those schools reversed course on what they think about these new teams? Yeah, so these new teams, UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, and uh, who's the fourth one? I'm missing Houston. the fourth one. Houston, of course. Can't You're, in them. You're in Texas. You're in Texas. You should yeah, know that for one. Sure. <laughs> I, uh, I forget that the Cougars are down there, got to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but those four schools, you know, when you look at UCF, when you look at Houston and you look at Cincinnati, those states, Texas, Ohio, and Florida, are three of the best recruiting states for football. And, you know, he told me when we're looking for expansion, it's Bigger is what we're going for. And he's looking at the markets and he's looking at the talent in those three pockets. And that's his motivation for bringing those three schools in. And so when you slap the Big 12 branding on those three programs, BYU also, you know, that's only going to help their recruiting. And I think that he's bringing those guys in thinking that they can overtake schools like the Kansas, the Kansas States. And, you know, those guys who have floated around the bottom to the middle. Um, and I think he's really excited that he's bringing these four universities in. Let's wrap with this. Uh, I thought Commissioner Bowlesby was particularly candid uh, when you asked him about whether there might be a Big 12 network. And he said, you know, a lot of these schools don't have a lot of population in them. There's just not a lot of eyeballs in Manhattan, Kansas, and Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, he seemed to embrace the ESPN Plus concept, though. Yeah, he definitely did. And he told me that, you know, pretty much shut the door that the Big 12 network is not coming back to linear television. You're not going to be flipping through TV, you know, on your cable network coming across a Big 12 network like you are the SEC network, like you are the Longhorn network, the ACC network, the Big 10 network. You're not going to be doing that. And right now, you know, you look at the SEC network. I mean, one of those stations maybe has something going throughout the day, but then the other one or two, it's just, you know, there's nothing on there. And he told me that 
you know, it takes a lot to fill, you know, 85, 850,000 hours of linear television a year. And he took a shot at the ACC network. He told me that they sold their soul to get that network. And, you know, he's saying that the ACC sold their soul to ESPN and he's not going to do that. He's not going to give up his leverage that he has to, you know, pretty much create a network that in an age of streaming and an age of on-demand television, you know, he's just not going to do it. And so when UT leaves the conference and the Longhorn Network, you know, becomes, you know, either goes out of business because they're now part of the SEC or, you know, they're still on TV. I mean, you know, the Big 12 Network's not coming back to linear television, unfortunately. He is Ben Zwanger at RBI underscore Ben. Be sure to check out his article, his uh, interview with uh, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Uh, I have it posted on my Twitter at Simpez. Ben, thanks so much for stopping by and talking with us on the Sons of UCF Live. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thanks, Ben. I wonder, however, what the uh, university presidents and the athletic directors think when their commissioner is getting a text message, uh, uh, an alert from ESPN that, that he's lost the two flagship programs, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma. Is his, uh, is his stock diminished a little bit uh, amongst those other schools? I just found that fascinating, Trace, that he had zero clue, zero heads up. I mean, we, we all have workplaces. You all hear rumors that Betty's leaving her job. Betty's in like <laughs> everyone knows everyone's business at a workplace. And and that Bob Bowlesby had zero heads up. Think about all the people involved with the Big 12, all the other presidents, everybody else. For OU in Texas and then Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner, either they, they should be running state secrets because they did a fantastic job or, or Bowlesby – is a tad out of touch. I'm not sure which one's true on that one, but that, that actually shocked me that he didn't even have an inclination that something like that was coming up. And could this have been avoided if they'd made this move five years ago and added a Florida school and Ohio school and a Texas school back then? Uh, nobody's ever going to know, but that's a big blow to lose the top two. And now hopefully these four come in and keep the conference afloat right now. The, the big 12 would be just as good as better than the ACC and better than the, the PAC 12 right now in football. So, and you know how good it is in basketball. If you haven't heard the clip of AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco with Paul Feinbaum of ESPN uh, earlier today, be sure to listen to it. Uh, uh, he says, of course, the AAC provided uh, UCF Cincinnati as, as much, if not more, than, than they provided the league. I think that's uh, a little dubious there. But AAC announcing Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, Rice, the Vanderbilt of the new AAC, UAB, and UT San Antonio. What do you make of this uh, half a dozen uh, uh, mixed bag there, the dominoes falling all over the place? Now 12 of what is 14 teams in the AAC having come from Conference USA. Yeah, I don't know who they looked at, Trace, but um, Coastal Carolina is absolutely one of the one of the better programs in the Sun Belt right now. Appalachian State, one of the better programs. How you get to a rice in that configuration? Charlotte, okay, up and coming. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know how you how you leave those two schools out. Uh, I just love the fact that now the cows have to have a rivalry with FAU. That just warms my heart. But I don't FAU know how you with the on campus stadium, on campus stadium at FAU. Yeah. Everybody but the cows in Miami at this point, but I, I just don't know how you leave out some of those more um, brand name uh, Sun Belt schools if you're uh, if you're a Resco. And they added six after losing four. Maybe knowing that teams like Memphis may be gone soon, maybe an SMU. Uh, that conference could keep getting worse in the next couple of years, and I'm all for it. I like FAU's athletic director making overtures, saying we'd still want to play you, FIU. Uh, we'd still like to keep those rivalry games. Uh, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, when the date is that uh, UCF and all these moves, it's really going to be Oklahoma and Texas that decide that. Doesn't look like 2022. I'd say 2023 at this point. Let us open the mailbag to finish out the show. Kyle at the SOTG. How ironic is it the coach named Fickle can provide the best example to UCF of how to be patient in rebuilding a program? I think that key word there is rebuilding. I'm not sure any of us six games ago was thinking of this as a rebuilding season, but injuries and the lack of depth certainly make it feel like that. Yeah, the only challenge there is, is Fickle took over a dumpster fire from Tommy Tuberville, where Malzahn was taking over, while admittedly maybe a, a downward trend, 
he wasn't taking over nearly the the situation that Fickle was at uh, at, at Cincinnati. Certainly, you de- you definitely see what stability means, and that's what you, if you're a UCF fan, you think about this. Had one of those coaches that we've had stayed for a full five six years, could we be in that same trajectory? Yeah. Losing a coach every two years obviously is a, is a killer. But Fickle and Malzahn are taking over way different programs in terms of the timing and where the teams were at that point. Mike, this one for you at Zebel's UCF. What would need to happen for you to feel good about this season? Or are you at the just happy to have UCF football level of depressed? No, I think there's still a chance to finish strong here. I told you I'd take an eight and five, um, an eight and four season right now. One loss the rest of the way and then go into a bowl game. A nice, if you go eight and four, I think you're in a decent bowl game against a, a P5 team, whether it's Miami or Virginia Tech, and, and then win one of those. I think you can classify it as an okay season. At Holden, M-I-G-R-O-Y-A-N. In the transfer portal era, should a 3-3 three and three head coach maintain its current player workload or increase playing time of those who might bolt? I think you got to put the best guys you have out there. You can't worry about guys that might not be happy with their playing time. Yeah, I say you play who earns it, and that's kind of what Mike and I talked about on the show this week. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, obviously, we don't see practice, but if there are guys who are earning it over guys who maybe have a more uh, a bigger name or bigger bigger tenure on the program, I think you're at the point of play the guys who earn it. Whoever earns it on you know Monday through Friday or Saturday in practice, whatever the ha- the week happens to be, those are the guys who should be in the field. If they're going to leave, they're going to leave whether you play them every down or zero downs. So I say play who earns it. Mike, how about this one at UCF night 90? This one's just for you. Is there an issue with depth at tight end or is it the scheme that is preventing the offense from utilizing them in the pass game? I think we've seen more of Jake Hescock in the beginning of this show uh, mentioning <laughs> that he watches the sons of UCF than we've seen him uh, figure into the offense. Yeah, I don't know if Gus has just lost confidence in the tight ends because a couple of drops early in the year, but it doesn't look good. It could all be about blocking. I mean, which tight end is in there that can block the best to support the run game? Um I don't know. It doesn't look good for the tight ends right now. Well, the other thing too, by the way, maybe maybe he's trying to spread out the you know the offense so that he you know he doesn't have as many rushers coming out of young quarterbacks. I'm like he doesn't have to figure a bunch of stuff out, right? You crowd the line with all these you know all these tight ends. Maybe that makes it harder for Mikey Keen. I I don't know, but you know at some point I keep asking when are we going to see Charlie Browder? When are we going to see Jordan Davis? Uh, two younger kids get a chance to play tight end. You know I don't know when that time comes. Maybe it's soon. I know you guys on your show, you throw up a, a lot of things, hoping something sticks on there. But I just happened to I have to think that if there was a greater confidence in Mikey and an expanded playbook, that they would throw him more. That they're just being very, very cautious and careful with him because that's what he can do right now. I, I mean, look, I, I got to think, I said this to Mike, I, I had a hard time believing that Malzahn and G.J. Kinney and Ice Harris sat down and looked at the first like 10 plays at Cincinnati and went, that's it. That's how we're going to win. I just, I find that hard to believe. I assume to your point, Trace, they're trying to run the things that they know the offense can execute, hoping they hope they, you know, they get perfect execution. They break something. Cause I can't imagine they sat down and went, aha, we got it. This is the script to beat Cincinnati. That, either, if that's what happened. Oh my goodness. I don't know. I can't even. I don't know. It's just so many things that if they can run the ball successfully, like we saw earlier with Isaiah Bowser, when he was healthy, then that's going to take pressure off Mikey Keene. You don't have Jay Flash uh, getting open. And I know we talked about Ryan O'Keefe, but you got some other guys. There may be a drop. They just don't get separation. It's like all these things have to be working right. And it seems like it's all wobbly at the moment. At UCF 365, which current sophomore do you expect to become an uh, impact, impact player next year? For me, it's uh, Celestar. Yeah, Celestar, yeah. Celestar showed flashes last year, and this year he's around the ball and – Big time plays, making turnovers. He he's having a very good career to start off the first couple of years. He can build on this next year and the year after. He could be a big time player. Honorable mention, Quadric Bullard. Quadric Bullard, and I remember when we got Quadric Bullard in the uh, preseason media availability, we were like, "Who? Who?" And you then asked, Adam, you asked for his ID. <laughs> yeah, you said though that you thought that they were telegraphing a little bit players that were making an impact in camp, and that's who they were bringing out to us. And now we've seen a little bit of growth and development out of Quadric at ET Johnson Four. Every punt is an adventure. Is Osteen's process too slow? Is he not standing back deep enough? Uh, maybe, maybe it's a little more of this one. The line not holding blocks long enough it's probably two of those three i don't know if he's not standing back far enough i'm not sure what the what the yard distance is but again i also got to think at some point it's like a a basketball player who misses a free throw it kind of gets in your head now you're speeding up your process now you're looking out for the guy coming at you so you, you got to think at some point that gets in his head um that he's, he's rushing he's trying to move a little faster 
um, you know, and we got to block better. I mean, that's just bottom line. Yeah, two block punts in one season, uh, no good. <laughs> so it no can't bueno. happen again. No bueno. No, no bueno. Block punts and pick sixes, no bueno. Just, and under, work. Yeah, and underscore poet underscore warlord underscore. Do you think UCF got caught living off past success instead of looking towards the future? But I think that talks about the coaching turnover. You had Frost for two years. Was it living off past success or, you know, he's moving on to a new thing. Hypo brings in his own guys. Fickle's been there now for a while. Look at Saban coach team stability. And now you're talking about a lot of turnover, a lot of different recruiting philosophies. Uh, At some point this catches up. I say underscore kind of because I think we all had the hypothesis that six and four was a largely a direct result of Josh Heupel and his coaching. And now we're sitting here at three and three going, maybe it wasn't. Uh, So I think it's kind of some expectation part. I think we kind of all figured out last year this was the problem. And now it's kind of starting to realize that maybe that's not it. And again, I know we have everybody on earth injured, but I think perhaps we misinterpreted, you know, where where the the breakdowns were coming last year. And now they're just kind of coming to fruition at this point. Yeah, it's a lot of injuries and the lack of depth, obviously, after the injuries. So that may go back to recruiting the last couple of years. That's not all on miles on. He's only just got here. So we don't have the guys to come in and, and be that next man up. Easy question for me right here at Golden Knight underscore the second. If you had to pick finishing the season with a bowl game win, but losing to the cows or beating the cows, but face having a losing season, no matter what happens, you beat the cows. You can finish one and 11, horns down. You got to beat the cows. Yeah, we got to take the lead in that series this year. We have never led in the series. It's tied. We have to win this year. At Brian W. Peterson, if and when UCF sustains the loss, do you prefer to be surrounded by fellow Knights to make the loss easier, or do you prefer to salt brood in privacy? Having been a longtime listener of the Sons of UCF Pod, I also know that sometimes this can result in you cowering in your closet. (laughs) I like to be alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to be around Knights. I don't want to be around anybody after a game. We want you to be alone. Trust me. (laughs) Nobody wants to be around you, Mike. Uh, Robert, our buddy at two letters, two words, who's going to be in town. You guys aren't going to be here, right? Friday night for the game. You're not uh, making it to Orlando for this one. Highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Uh, Robert getting a little Twitter mafia gathering together, gathering together on Saturday at five. I'll do my best to be out there. Uh, You know, you may have seen flat nitro. Uh, This is uh, Robert's late dog, Nitro, uh, who's uh, on a uh, poster that that different people are uh, taking photos. I was in a photo uh, with him a game or two ago. Uh, He's uh, he's asking uh, this question from flat nitro from the canine community. Nugget two, what's the story? I will just say this has been an interesting topic of conversation I've had with Knights fans all week. I, I don't know. It just seems to me that if Nugget 1 was going to retire, why not retire before the season? Why disappear for a couple of games? Mm, it does seem like there's there's something in that story. Yeah, I don't know what I'm allowed to reveal. Again, I heard a story, and I, I don't know what I'm allowed to reveal. All I can say is what I was told is perhaps there was some a holdout, maybe some contract negotiations behind <laughs> the scenes. And uh, and once uh, once those negotiations broke off, uh, rehearsals were held to find a replacement. It took some time to get that that uh, particular uh, replacement up to speed and ready for game action. So that's that that's that's my story. That's what I was told by a real, I think a reliable source. I have no idea if this person's plugged into the horse community or not. <laughs> the horse community. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll end with one of the funniest people that we have opportunity to interact with at Lonely BUCF. What is the cowiest things the, the cows have done so far this season? And, and he's got a list, and these are all things that have happened so far. Uh, torn pants and a uniform reveal. Um, expressing excitement about the Gator sellout, which was pretty much all Gators fans. Claiming that they'd have a sellout against Florida A&M, and it was decidedly not. Um, a garbage time touchdown against FAMU, but they didn't beat the, the, the point spread. Uh, their latest groundbreaking, he describes it as a litter box groundbreaking. The two, 2019 commemorative cups being distributed over at the Buccaneer Stadium. My, my, I think my favorite, though, is that they've created this championship belt that they pass along to teams that may, over the course of the war on I-4, beat UCF in one sport or another, that they, they pass it to each other. I, I, they can't get out of their own way. 
they are a fit for the reconfigured AAC. I'm going to go with the litter box groundbreaking for a couple of reasons. One, from what I read the other day, there has been no dirt shoveled since that one day. <laughs> so construction has still not yet started on that. And I think this hurts them more than anything. All the other stuff, you can make fun of them, salads, yada, yada, yada. yada. This is an actual tangible item that is going to impact their program if they can't figure this out. And the fact that all we did is shovel some kitty litter across and we haven't put a shovel back in the ground since then, I'm going to go with that one as the most cowiest cow thing. That was going to be my pick too, but you know, I'll just go with their play on the field. They still haven't beat a division one team in the last three years. So uh, as long as they keep that up, I'll be happy. One in eight last season under their first year head coach, one in five so far this season, uh, they gave away the game last week against Tulsa that, but that's one in eight, one in five, that's two in 13. Not a good start for Jeff Scott, but too bad, so sad. And Mike, I agree with you. If there's only one or two more of these games, take the lead this year. We saw it with the Boca Bowl. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> that was the secret. That was the key. It was between uh, UCF and Boise State Memphis, but Nugget pushed it over. Lonely. Uh, Mario plugged into the horse community. Very strong. <laughs> Speaking of horses, SMU leading Tulane 24-7, a preview of future what a, opponents. What a segue. Wow. Fantastic. And, and uh, women's soccer comes out of Greenville with a 2-0 win to come back home, uh, probably senior day there on Sunday. So interesting show. It looks like the Knights have their work cut out for them. I'm not going to be surprised by an outcome either way. I can see the Knights winning this game. I can also see them not taking care of business. Does, does watching, I know, uh, Trace, you're in the press box, so it's a little difficult. Mike, I know you're, you're kind of like me. Does knowing UCF is now 3-3, three and three, does that take the pressure off watching these games? You know, when, when things are going well, yeah, I'm on the end of my couch, I'm nervous, I'm winning every play. Are you just watching on Friday like, hey, let's just see what happens here? A little bit, yeah. I was kind of like that on Saturday. I, I went into that game hoping we would win, and once it was, we were down early, I was like, okay. You know, I, like I told you on the show, I didn't even really drink during that game. I had two beers, and that was it. I went on with the rest of my Saturday. The, this one's a Friday night. I'm going to be into it for sure with the start. And if we get down early, then it's going to be like, uh, all right, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. Uh, three and three definitely puts a damper on on the season. We got to get this win now. It's a home game. We, we played well at home. Let's do, let's get this win and then take over the second half of the season. Mike, is this a is this a must win? Every game from here on out is a must win. <laughs> <laughs> take care of business at home. Get that road win at Temple. By the way, SMU just approaching the half. Four hundred yards of offense on Tulane, but that's that's a month away. Let's just take care of business against Memphis. Guys, enjoy the game. Uh, look forward to seeing Knights fans out at the bounce house tomorrow and, and perhaps on Saturday at the uh, Twitter Mafia meetup. Uh, good show as always, guys. Glad to have had Isaac on, glad to have had Ben. I appreciate all of your help. Knights fans, enjoy one uh, this one on Friday night. Go Knights! Charge on. Yes, charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network.